What's happening? This is the Tap In Podcast. We are live inside of the Tap In studio. Man, we got a good one today. Um, before we start, we got sponsors. We got our sponsor. Uh-oh. Yeah. So this this episode is brought to you by the Rose Group at Keller Williams. For all your um, housing needs, if you want to find out about uh, how much your house is worth, if you're thinking about buying or selling a house, make sure you contact the Rose Group at Keller Williams. Um, they can be contacted at 817-523-9644. 817-523-9644. Make sure you get in contact with them. The, the housing market is skyrocketing right now, so make sure you get in contact with them. All right, so I got my boy John Boziak on the show with me, man. How you doing, man? Good, good, good. Man. In the house. Yes, sir. So let me bring people up to speed, like how I even fucking found you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm always on YouTube just watching shit. You know what I mean? Um, and I seen you doing an interview. Um, it says something about uh, credit cards. And I was like, you know what? Let me um, let me just watch it. Fuck it. I like watching interviews. I like watching interesting people. Let me just turn it on. And then you told your story about, you know, how whatever. We'll get to your story. Uh-huh. And then I was like, you know what? Let me look him up. And then I seen your channel. And I was like, oh, shit. He got a YouTube channel. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so I'm just in the comments like, yo, come out to Texas and do a show. You was like, fuck yeah, I'll do it. And then we got into the DMs, and bam, yeah. here you are, man. Yeah, here I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you for later. coming, too, Oh, man. no problem, man. I have no problem doing any of this. This is uh, this is fun for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Appreciate it, man. So, um, I guess let's talk about it from, let's start from, um, I guess, where you where you, where you originally from? Um, I was born in a, a, a city called Mount Clemens in Michigan. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I pretty much grew up in South Florida. Mm, okay. Spent most of my adult life in uh, South Florida, you know, in between Michigan and South Florida. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what? How did you? Uh, how did you? Get, like, how did you? You were your mom was in Michigan, dad is in Michigan, or how would you? Everybody's go? in Michigan. My oh, whole really? family's in Michigan. Yeah. I was just. Um, I just ended up in Florida. You know, I just I, I got down there in early '90s, and then I was back in Michigan, and then I was back in Florida, and then. When I was like 13 or 14, my mom just moved back to Florida, and I just stayed in. Uh, or she moved back to Michigan. And I just kind of just stayed in Florida. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then, are you like the only child, or you got? No, siblings? I have siblings. Yeah, I have. A, I have a younger brother um, who I grew up with. I have an older brother who I haven't really seen in like 20 years. Uh, yeah, I have two younger sisters um, that live with my dad. All half brothers and sisters. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Okay. Yeah. So. How did you get into, I guess, this credit card world? Like, can you let's start from the beginning? Like, how did you yeah. even get introduced to that? Yeah, uh, well, it basically all started. Um, I didn't want to get a regular job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had been working for years and years doing manual labor and kind of working outside doing windows and doors and all kinds of other crazy shit. Manual labor, yeah, manual yeah. labor. And then I went to school. I got my uh, my associate's degree in graphic design. I went to the Art Institute in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, after I graduated, I was buried in student debt. I had student loans I had to pay back. And, you know, a couple of the few of the companies I went to go work for didn't really work out for me, you know. And so I had a background in graphic design, and I was already kind of tech savvy. You know, I've been a, a gadget geek and a nerd pretty much my whole life, you know, since Windows 95 and on up. Um, and 
I just got online and I researched as much fraud as I could find. Uh, I researched every kind of fraud. I researched bank fraud. I researched wire fraud. I researched money laundering, uh, counterfeiting, you know, any way to kind of circumnavigate having to be a legitimate citizen, uh, you know, and get out from underneath all of the debt that I was in. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I kind of just settled on the credit card stuff because I kind of felt like I I had a leg up already in it, you know, and and it was just uh, uh, kind of a natural fit for me and my personality. So what made you like, because I know, I know from me as a kid, like my first thing is fucking drugs, right? Right. Yeah, it's what you know. It's what you know and what yeah, you're yeah. exposed to. Sure. Yeah. yeah growing up. Yeah, so yeah, what yeah. made you what made you dive into the 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 fraud game though? That's um, really- like I said, man, I just started doing my research, and as weird as it sounds, it just seemed like a natural fit. Like really? I, I, yeah, just from growing up on the street and. You know what I mean? Having to hustle and having to scam, you know, pretty much my whole life. You know, it started kind of early off. You know, I, I started making fake coupons for for fast food restaurants on the computer using Photoshop when I was like a kid, you know, like a young teenager. So I get free food. I mean, because I was homeless on the streets of Miami for many years growing up. Really? Yeah. From about 14 till about 18 or 19, I was, you know what I mean? I didn't really have a residence per mm. se. You know what I mean? So I was just out there. You know what I mean? I, you got to figure out how to survive. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it started. it started way back when. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Damn. And what was your like first thing that you did with the with the, the I guess the scamming or the credit cards? Uh it was probably like uh something called virtual carding. So I you the kind of card you get um when you go online and you fill out say a form, a query form for any kind of website where you're gonna give them your information where you're purchasing something from them. You know, so you're going to fill out, of course, you're going to tell them your first name, your last name, your billing address, your shipping address. You're going to type in your credit card information. All of that information uh, is saved on a server somewhere, on a computer. Okay, and that, and that information is subsequently hacked mm. and stolen and then resold. Okay, to people, somebody like me. Now, I would buy that information. Now, I would have everything I needed to make a purchase online using your information. Wow. And that's where I started at. That's where it all started, yeah. Okay. And then when you get that information, what do you do with it? Like, you just take it and you can make a purchase on it because... You can, yeah. Well, yeah, if you if you do it right, you can make a purchase on it, yeah. Because I have your credit card information. I have your credit card number, your expiration date, the three-digit oh, so code have- from the back. I've got your first name, your last name. I've got your billing address, and I've got your shipping address. That's all I need. Because now I'm you when I'm going to BestBuy.com or I'm going to Target.com or I'm going whatever. Now I'm I'm, you know... Whoever. Oh, so you can yeah. put in all the billing address and then just have it shipped to a different address. Uh, as a gift, you know what I mean? Or if it was a local address, I would ha- I would get, if it was like a some gold or something like that or something really expensive, I would go and hang out in front of the house and wait for UPS to show up. Really? And I would see him coming down the street and I would just grab some trash cans and start dragging the trash cans out to the front and kind of just meet him at the same time. And when he's hopping out the trunk, I'll just say the name. Mm. Brian Johnson? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah it's right here. Bomb, get the package, wait till he leaves, hop in my car, and go. Damn. I didn't do that very many times, but when it was something, like, really expensive, that was one way. Yeah. yeah. What was the most expensive thing that you got like that? Virtual carding? Yeah. Uh, probably a diamond ring. Really? Yeah, like $6,000 diamond ring. And what, you just pawned it and Yeah, it took sh- the straight to the gold and <laughs> golden jewelry place. Yeah. Damn. Okay. 
How long were you doing that? Like where the um, carding? Months, you know, about a good six months or so. Really? Yeah, yeah. And you were seeing some, I guess, some decent money from doing mm, that? It was hit or miss. You know, like I said, I'd get the diamond ring and then I, for a month I would just, all my orders would get shut down or wouldn't get shipped or get flagged for fraud. You know, it was hit or miss. It was hit or miss until you came down with like a, a, a science behind it. Dang. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then from there you graduated to what now? Uh, in-store carding. So now this is a whole different game. Yeah, what's in-store? What's, what's in-store carding? So anytime you go to a store, say it be at Target or Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, and you take your debit card and you swipe it or you stick it in and you use the pin, the chip and pin, right? Well, that information is subsequently saved on a, on a server somewhere and then hacked and resold, okay, to people like me once again. And then people like me, I, can, I got the proper equipment. All I need is these, this, this digital information and I can encode that to uh, a card that I make. You, you dig what I'm saying? And then yeah. if I have the ID to match the card, I can go straight to... I can go out to the store and use it now. Instead of, you know, getting stuff shipped, I can go straight into the store. And so you would have to make IDs with that card? Or? I would, yeah. So how did you start making the IDs? Well, I didn't. I See, I didn't even start making... I started buying cards and buying IDs and oh. buying the numbers. You know what I mean? I was yeah. just a consumer of the product in the beginning. Yeah. You know? So then I started doing that, you know, for months. I don't know, maybe like half a, half a year or something like that. I was just going to the stores and... Big screens, laptops, you know what I mean? Big ticket items. Yeah. You know, I had a storage unit full of shit, and I used to put it all on Craigslist, and you know what I mean? Just go all on Craigslist. Yeah, cash money. Damn. Yeah. See, that, that, that's the part where I would be probably more afraid to do because yeah. people can actually see my face now. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's the problem. See, it's not, it's not a business model that is scalable. Mm. By any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because think about it like this way. If you go to 10 Walmarts in a week and you get a laptop from every Walmart, you're doing good, right? Yeah. Well, you're going to have to go back and do it again and do it again and do it again. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just like you're going to – you can only put your, your face on so many cameras. You can only walk into the same Walmart, the same Target, the same Best Buy so many times buying – laptops and big screens and ps5s or whatever you're gonna do yeah you know what i mean so it's just like you're putting your face on cameras you're you're taking risks and at the end of the day that just like i said the operation just wasn't scalable so i had to figure out a different way to make money uh off of this than going and putting myself out there like that like i was man yeah yeah can you tell the story um about when you and your brother i guess the like walmart the, yeah, yeah the walmart yeah. it's a good one <laughs> yeah. um yeah so me and my brother uh one morning one day I had to pay rent that month or whatever, and so my brother had the ID that matched the fucking card that we had. We only had like one or two cards or something like that, and he had the ID to match the card so that we could go. So I had I had to have him with me. So I wake him up, and I'm like, you know, like let's go, let's go, you know what I mean? Let's do this. So we we go it was like we're in West Palm Beach, Florida, or something like that. We go to the Walmart, and uh, you know, we walk in. We're back there. We we need this laptop, and uh, everything was going good. We got to the checkout counter, and um, the guy swipes the card, and he looks at the card. He's like, can I see your ID? And my brother hands him the ID, and he sets them both down. He picks up the phone. He says, we got a code red back here in electronics. I'm like, oh, fuck. I knew what time it was immediately, so I just turn around and start walking. And I grab my phone. I get on my cell phone, play like I'm on the phone, like I'm walking towards the front door. And I look back, and my brother's still standing there by the counter. I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, man, we got to go. We got to go. So just as I'm getting to the front doors, you know, they're automatic. They open up. 
I hear coming behind me and it's my brother's wearing thong fucking flip-flops from Abercrombie and he's just fucking blows past me out the door two guys chasing right behind him and you, just the look of sheer terror on that kid's face I will never forget ever I'll remember it for the rest of my life I felt immediately hit me I'm like oh man this is all my fault and now fucking I felt bad yeah. so they chase him one of his one of his flip-flops fucking blows out on him and they tackle him in the parking lot I get away you know what I mean? I make it off the property, and I'm hiding in the fucking woods for, like, three hours next to the fucking Walmart, right? <laughs> I sneak back into the parking lot. Like, three hours later, I get my car. I go home. Um, yeah, I get everything out of the apartment, and then, like, I'm just on the Internet all night, like, tracking my brother from city jail to county jail to, yeah. And then as soon as the bail bondsman opened in the morning, I went, and I had to put up my put up the, the my title to my vehicle, and I got him out of jail, like, right away. He wasn't even in there six hours. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So were you and your brother, like, working together during this time? Uh, we, you know, me and my brother were living together in uh, South Florida, and we were both fucking around a little bit. But I, when that after that happened, that was kind of, like, it for him. Mm. You know what I mean? He kind of was like, this is it. He had, like, one br- brush in with the law, and he, was, he went straight. Mm. You know, me, I'm a little more hard-headed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then, so... After I guess now that he, your brother got caught, he's going down straight and narrow. Where did that? Where does that leave you? What do you do from that point where you like fuck it? I'm on. I'm on my own now. Yeah, I um, I I wanted to get out of the in-store carding, you know. And there was always there was this saying that always rings in my head that somebody had once told me is um, during the the gold rush in the 1700s or whatever 1800s or whatever it was. It wasn't the dudes mining all the gold that was making the money. It was the dude there selling the pickaxes to the people mining the gold that made all the money. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I kind of took that and I kind of just made a business model out of that. And that's when I decided, okay, I'm paying $20 per piece of plastic. Not, never mind the numbers, never mind the driver's licenses. The, the IDs were fucking crazy expensive. People were charging like two, $300 for one. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. you can't keep using the one. you got to have multiple. You know, so I was paying like two, $300 per fake driver's license that I was purchasing online, and I was paying like $20 per just blank piece of plastic, and then like another 60 or 80 for the numbers to get encoded to it. Damn. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm out like $100 damn near per piece of plastic. And when, and when you go to the store, it may, only, it may only work once, and it may not work at all. So, so it's it's ex- it's expensive. Yeah. You're gambling, and yeah. you're it's expensive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, well, fuck. If I can figure out how to make these cards, you know what I mean? Then I might be able to either just make them for myself and cut out the middleman, or I can make them and sell them. You dig what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that just launched me on this whole fucking journey of just researching everything I could find about credit card manufacturing. What kind of equipment I needed, you know, uh, the holograms, the encoding, the the the, the templates, everything. Yeah. Yeah, cause, cause I'm thinking like, so when you buy when you're when you're researching this, right? Mm. When you buy in the the credit card, it comes just blank, right? Nothing on there at all. It's all white. It's all Front white. And back. And the only thing it has is the magnetic strip. Mm. It comes with. So you have to put everything on the. Yeah, you have to have a you have to have a printer that prints everything onto the card. The Mastercard logo, the template. You know what I mean? Like the whatever picture, whatever image you're gonna put on there. You know, then you got the the micro print and all that shit on the back of the card. The Sig strip, which is completely different. You know, and then you've got the 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 hologram. 
the three-dimensional hologram, which those, that was a little bit more difficult to procure. Those I had to get from China. I had to find, I had to find somebody in China that would, that would manufacture and sell those to me. And you have, because I know some credit cards where they have the numbers lifted. You had a machine. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's called an embossing machine. Really? Yeah, I would emboss all the cards myself. And then I would have another uh, a machine that would do the tipping before I got a machine that did both. Now, the tipping is like the silver or, I'm sorry, the silver or the gold that goes on the actual embossed numbers on the card. That was, that was done with a separate machine in the beginning. And then I eventually got a better machine that did both. Dang. Yeah. And... They sell these sh- the machines like just all of this. To e- all of this equipment is readily available on the internet. All of it. Really? Yeah. You don't have to have a special license or or even a special reason to buy it. I mean, you can. It's just like going online and purchasing something from Amazon. God dang. Yeah. That's 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 crazy. Wow, it's pretty nuts. Yeah. And so from from at that point, you go to. I guess, start researching figuring out okay i'm gonna do this on my own and then you start selling them to people or you start using them for yourself i start using them just testing them um on my own uh, kind of right away uh and then i went started selling them i you know went and i set up a a profile on the uh carding forums that no longer exist um you know they did a long time ago and now it's all it's completely different the game's changed now but yeah yeah, you know, I, I set up a post and then you know I just sat back and waited. It's like fishing. Damn. Yeah. And you never was worried about like getting caught, police, no. fucking hell no, no, <laughs> hell no. It looks it's, it's it's the internet. As long as you understand like internet security, internet protocol, and all that shit, and like as long as you have a fundamental understanding of all how all of that operates, you're 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 essentially anonymous. Okay. So yeah. how can I guess the general public, like when we go online, because now with COVID and everything, sure. everybody's fucking buying everything online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. there any way you can like protect your information, or once you put that information in, it's it's just out there? Uh, you know, what what I would suggest for anybody who purchases a lot online and uses their debit or credit card, I would uh, first of all set up a PayPal account and use PayPal when when you can, because you know PayPal's protected and you can get refunded if anybody hacks your account and you know i mean there's still a lot of rigmarole you have to go to but it's it's less vulnerable than your than your credit or debit card uh the second thing i would recommend to people is getting a prepaid debit card that's just you load money on it and or you could transfer money from your bank account to that card and you only use that card for all of your online purchases that way if that information is ever um exposed online then you know it's only that prepaid debit card and it only has X amount of dollars on it. So you're not taking a loss to any of your bank accounts and you're only taking a loss to that, that, that one prepaid debit card. Mm, yeah. Okay. And you only load money on it when you're going to use it. Yeah. That's honestly, that's that, that would the number one way to avoid all, all fraud. Really? Yeah. I mean, even, I mean, even if that, that number is still vulnerable for, you know, hackers or whatever, but I mean, you're not going to lose anything. It's not like you're putting your, your, your Bank of America on there. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, getting your direct deposit check on there. And exactly. Yeah. Dang. Okay. And so once you start, um, once you start selling these and you're, you're, I guess you're starting to move, you're starting to get a name for yourself down, mm-hmm. right, In, into the, the credit card space, you started selling to the, like, the Russian mafia, I heard? Indirectly. Okay, and I wasn't I was I wasn't aware of that fact until long after I had stopped selling cards. 
Yeah, so I wasn't aware at the time, but the, one of the people that I was selling to, he was, I think, uh, was a buffer for the Russian mob. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like a thousand cards a month or something like that. And how yeah. how consistently was he buying? Every month. 100, 100 orders a month, every month. Yeah. yeah. What, what kind of money is that for you? Uh, minimum order for me was $1,000. So if you were going to come shop with me, it was $1,000 or I wasn't even going to deal with you. And for $1,000, you got 100 debit cards, and then I would work with you on the uh, driver's licenses and whatnot. When you say work with you, what do you mean? Like you would – because you're doing the driver's license Yeah, I'm not going to give you 100. You know what I mean? But I'll give you uh, however many you need. I can do – you know what I mean? Because you're going to need driver's licenses for, for the cards. Every card. Yeah. And say you got five people working for you and you're sending each one out with 10 cards each. Or you've got, you've got 100, you know, 15 people working for you. You send them out with 10 cards each. Well, you're going to need 15 different IDs or whatever for those people, for those cards. You know? Damn. Yeah. And I was doing, a, like I said, at the pinnacle, at the very pinnacle of my success, I was doing 100 orders a month at $1,000. Wow. Yeah. For $1,000 for every 100 that you were giving them? For every card? So... If you came to me and you're okay, okay, uh, here's I want the package or whatever. You send me a thousand dollars. I'm gonna send you a hundred debit cards. Mm, okay. Yeah, and I was doing a hundred orders a month, so it's roughly about a hundred thousand dollars a month. Damn. Yeah. Hundred thousand a month. A month. Fuck. Yeah. God. Yeah. And like I said, I didn't do that. That now that was only for. I want to say that was maybe for three or four consecutive months. And then there was in between months where I only had maybe twenty orders or thirty orders or forty orders, but that's still twenty, thirty, forty grand a month. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dang. So, fuck, hundred thousand dollars a month. Yeah. So how does people get in contact with you to even buy the cards? At that uh, I was advertising on what's called a carding forum. Uh, this existed in the early two thousands. You know, this is twenty years ago, mind you, when I was doing all of this shit, and. You would just go on these forums, and it's just like a, a message board, you know, for fraud. Like like a Facebook for fraud. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 20 years ago, it was rampant, and they were everywhere. Really? Yeah. They shut them down now? They did, yeah. There was a big operation called uh, Operation Open Market. Uh, it was a joint ta- joint uh, venture, I think, with the, Ameri- or the United States Secret Service and the FBI. God. Yeah, they shut it all down. Damn. But then, you know, the dark web came out and then there was the Silk Road and the Onion Network and all that shit. So now it's all encrypted and it's all they got. There's like the whole there's the Internet and then there's the Internet, which there's a whole different Internet you can go to and you can hire killers and buy cocaine and everything using Bitcoin. What? It's I'm telling you, it's all fucking corporate now. It's all corporate. Yeah. Like, I, I, I just read about this shit. You know what I mean? Like, I've been out, I've been out of the game for so long. Yeah. But I, honestly, I know what's going on. And, like, I keep up on it just as from a, from a pure spectator viewpoint. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's all corporate now, man. God. Yeah. They got escrow services and shit. Really? Yeah. Yeah. God damn. Okay, so um, where do you go from there? Because, I mean... At this point, my mind will start thinking like, okay, like this goodness, this $100,000 or I'm at my, the peak of my, you know what I mean, scamming. Yeah. yeah. At some point, I need to figure out a different strategy. What do you do? Like, what, what was your plan? Because I know as a... Uh, you know, my, I don't know, man. My plan was I wanted to get to $5 million. How, how much did and, you get to? Uh, periodically... Like, so I only, I never really had more than $80,000 in cash at one point in time, 
But I had like between you know five or six different bank accounts spread out. I had maybe like two point five million at one time. But over the course between about two thousand five and about two thousand nine, when I was subsequently arrested, well, you know, busted, I had made roughly between three point five and four point two million dollars. Yeah. So when you got to the five million, what was the plan? Uh, I was just gonna invest in the you know the stock market and open like a legitimate uh, you know small business. And, you know, quit the credit card shit, but, you know, the money is just addicting, you know, and the the, the fun I was having was, was just absolutely addicting as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk about, because um, I know you fucking love Cadillacs too, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've had them all. <laughs> yeah. I bought them all. Really? Yep. Yeah, I've had several, I've had maybe 15 or 16 different Cadillacs at one point in time. Not all at once, but periodically throughout all these, you know, the years of 2005 to 2009, I had... Uh, Three STSs. I had two CTSs. I had a Deville. I had a Broham. I had I had all the way from mid '90s all the way up until up until recent. Yeah. Why Cadillac though? That's like a it's American luxury. Yeah, it's like a black man's car. Like well, I grew up I grew up in in in, in, in the ghetto. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, the, growing up my whole life, you know, watching the dope boys and everybody drive the drive the Cadillacs and the in the the Monte Carlos and the Cutlasses and the Regals and the Malibus and like that's my shit you know what I mean I grew up you know in the 80s and early 90s so like 80s muscle cars and in like 90s muscle cars and shit that's that's my that's my jam and Cadillac is just like the pinnacle of wealth it's the pinnacle of American success is to have a have a Cadillac you know what I mean so yeah 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 and then I I heard somewhere you just gave one away to a chick I did yeah so yeah well, we were kind of so I was kind of dating this, this stripper chick, and we weren't really like together together. But like I was kind of taking care of her, you know what I mean? Because she had like a small son, and she was she was a little bit younger than me. And yeah, I I ended up giving her I gave her a car, I gave her mom, but actually I gave her a Cadillac, and then she gave it to her mom, and then I bought her a BMW after that. So damn, yeah. it must have been good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, we got along well, man. But you know, just those chicks are. They're already fucked up if that's what they're out there doing. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang. And then, so how long do you go before you actually get caught? Because you did some some jail time, right? Yeah, it was so from '05 to '09 was my run. So mm-hmm. when I was wide open, I was doing you know everything. And then '09, I got ran up on by the United States Secret Service. They set me up uh, at a UPS store in South Carolina. Uh, I show up one day to pick up a package, and they were there waiting on me. Yeah, I didn't go to jail. They didn't even arrest me. They just asked me a bunch of questions. You know what I mean? Like what I'm doing. You know all this shit. Uh, they made me. They put me in their car. Drove me to my condo. They. I had to sign papers. They searched. They took everything. All my equipment. All the computers. All my anything with removable storage on it. They confiscated. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they took all that. They took uh, all my equipment. My safe. Everything I had in my house that was you know fraud. They took it all. And then he gave me a card and he said, "I need you to be at this address on this date." It was like a two week. It was like two within two weeks or whatever. And I didn't know what to think. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, okay, well I'm going to jail for sure. You know, maybe. You know, um, so I show up. It's the it was the uh, Secret Service uh, headquarters uh, of the Southern District of South Carolina in Columbia, South Carolina. And I walk in, and there's this long table in the middle of the room, and there's all these dudes sitting around the table. You know what I mean? These, all these dudes look old and important. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't a bunch of young cats. It was older, older gentlemen. Yeah. And what I'm what I'm figuring, and I don't know, but I'm I'm pretty sure they flew people in from D.C., uh, from L.A., 
from Vegas, from all over the country. Like all these dudes are head of like the fraud departments of like you know for like the the, the credit cards and and all the shit. They flew them all in because I'm sure they had all these operations going on on the side of trying to bust all these fucking you know what I mean. And they thought that I was I was the in. You know what I'm saying? I thought that they thought that they were gonna pop the lid off of some kind of you know giant fucking through me but what they didn't understand is i was just by myself you know what i mean i had no co-defendants they thought it was like a ring they did uh, yeah yeah so they sat me down they interrogated me for like three and a half hours they had screenshots of the my four of all my posts on the forums that i had been on yeah they had screenshots of uh cards they had purchased from me that i didn't even know i was selling to the the feds Oh yeah yeah so i didn't know any of that and then I found all that out when I got in that room and they broke it all down for me. And they're like, you know, what do you know? Who do you know? You know, we want all your passwords. We want fucking how long you've been doing it. And I bullshitted them. I minimized the fuck out of it. You know what I mean? Like, ah, I've only been doing it like six months and fucking really I've been fucking, you know, I'm fucking four or five years in at this point, you know, millions of dollars in fraud. You know what I mean? But I, I grew up not telling on myself. Right. You know right. what I mean? So right. I, I learned not to tell on myself. Right. And I'm going to lie. I'm already fucked up, so I'm going to lie. Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to gamble. I'm going to lie. Yeah. So I minimized and I lied and, you know, yeah. So that was 2009. Um, I, I walked away and I didn't hear anything until like 2012. Really? Yeah. So I started making cards again. You know what I mean? Back on the same form? Uh, or through a like, different... Through my same contact, but I didn't advertise on the forums anymore. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I kind of contact my dude like, listen, I've been, off, I've been off grid for a while. You know what I mean? I owed him like 1,000, 2,000 cars that he had paid me for that I just never sent because they got everything got confiscated. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I took off, and then my, the, the girl I was with at the time, um, my baby's mother left me because of all this shit. You know what I mean? So I took off from South Carolina, went to Michigan, and I just geared up for another run, started making cards again. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. What? And then I don't know what the fuck they was doing for three years. Where they I don't know. Three fucking years it took them. Three years it took them to indict me. No indictment, no nothing, no warrants, no phone calls, no court dates. Three fucking years. Yeah. Yeah. So you think they were probably like trying to follow you to uh, see i don't think so because if they were they i would i i was doing it again and they fucking you know what i mean they didn't know and they didn't get me so how soon after after this did you start back like was it like a year after or it was about a year but a year yeah after? I, it was about a year i i went on like a just a rampage for a year because i had a little bit of money put away you know stashed and i went back to miami and i just kind of went crazy for a year i was you know cocaine and strippers and I was flying private like every other fucking day out to Vegas from uh, Fort Lauderdale uh, Executive Airport. Me and another buddy of mine, and I, ju- I was just going ham, you know. Because I mean? in my mind, I'm going to prison. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to prison. Right, right. And with with all my charges, I was looking at I was f- I'm doing 15 years at least in my mind. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm gonna put a, put away a little bit of money for when I do go to prison, and then the rest of this, I'm just gonna fucking yeah. I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to party. Yeah. yeah. And I did that for about a year. And after, like, there was no indictment. There was no nothing after a year. I just didn't know what to do anymore, you know. And that's when I met I met this this chick named Rosalia and ended up getting married with her. So we're actually still married. Separated for four years now, but we're still married. And uh, I met her and kind of calmed down and, yeah. Kept, sa- kept printing cards, but I wasn't really partying anymore, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. 
So when you, I'm just trying to understand when you print, like when you make cards, right? You just sending them through like USPS, like postal service, or how are you shipping them? How are you getting? Uh, the I was doing uh, UPS uh, Global because mm. they they go, you know, they they're worldwide. So does FedEx. Um, but I didn't really have as much success with FedEx as I did with UPS. UPS always went as long as your customs paperwork was in order, because if it was going, you know, across borders, had to go through customs, and you got to have like a what's called a, a bill of lading, like a BOL, and it's got to be filled out so they have to know what's in the box and, you know, what company it's coming from and the weight and fucking all that shit. And did you have, like, a, a skeleton company? I or? did, yeah. So I set up a company um, selling uh, refurbished uh, computer um, peripherals on eBay, and I set up an LLC. I set up a business account. I built a website, like a legitimate functioning website, and then I made uh, had a company logo and, you know, email and fucking fax and i had an hq uh which is like a virtual office mm. but you can receive physical mail there and they'll, they'll take your phone calls and all that shit uh so i had one of those set up for the company and then you know so everything that was going through customs if they were to check it and they were to try and verify the company had a functioning website they could call and somebody would answer the phone and yeah yeah damn you had it all set up yeah yeah dang i wasn't fucking around yeah yeah for real especially when you're dealing with that kind of money yeah. Yeah. Dang. Do you know how how long the the feds were buying from you? No. You don't know. No. I mean, I know um, Matt Cox, the the guy that helped me write my. I wrote a personal my personal memoir, Bent, um, which is available on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> that he he helped me write. He got the the Freedom of Information um, shit. So he got everything, like all of the documents, all of the fucking all of the court shit. Yeah, so he's got actually all the documents that it's, you know, three boxes full of shit that I haven't even looked through yet. Yeah, let's get into Matt because I, I, I like Matt. I like Matt. That's my how, buddy. Yeah. How did you guys, Matthew Cox, if you guys don't know who Matthew Cox is, Matthew uh, Cox. Yeah. Inside sure, Inside True Crime. Yes. Uh, yeah, Matthew Cox. Check him out on, on YouTube. Yeah, make sure you go. And that's how I found you. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So when you, you go to jail, when, 2012? Yes, 2012. Uh, yeah, about 2012 I went in. Okay. So, and Matt is already in jail. Yeah, Matt's been down five or six years when I, I got there. Okay. Yeah. Where, where did you go to jail? Uh, I, I was in uh, Coleman, uh, FTC Coleman in uh, Coleman, or in, yeah, Coleman, uh, Florida. Mm. Yeah, in the feds, federal prison. So, and that's where I met Matt. I met Matt Cox in, uh, in federal prison in the chow line. Yeah, just talking about our crimes and talking about what he was charged with. And one of his charges was aggravated identity theft. And I was like, oh, that's what I'm in here for. Mm. And then he, and we just started talking. You know, by the time we got through the line, we just talked for like the next four hours. And I told him my whole story and everything. Really? Yeah, and he's like, oh, you got to let me write this. We got This is going to be a book. This has to be a book. Yeah. How long were you in jail before you guys started? Were you... Uh, was there a few months? Really? Yeah, we didn't really talk before that. You know, because, you know, he's doing time. And I'm just a short timer. So there was really no, no reason that, you know, we had to get to know each other or start to talk, you know. How long did you get, I mean, how, what did you get charged with and how long did they so, give you? So, the, so this is how it happened. Crazy, crazy shit. Um, when I was mailing packages out of the UPS store, and the, so, so this is how they caught me. The old man who owned the UPS store um, was also working there. And I was coming in sending packages out every week multiple times a week and they were going all over the world and I, I told them that you know I had a company and I sold you know refurbished uh, computer equipment on eBay and I, you know I explained to him the whole thing and I guess he wasn't buying it 
after a while. And so what he did is he went and he opened up one of my packages, found what I was sending out, called the postmaster general, and then the postmaster general contacted the Secret Service, and the Secret Service set me up, and that's how I got the indictment. Mm. He wasn't supposed to open that box. If he suspected that I was sending something out of there, he had to contact the postmaster general, and the postmaster general had to give him permission to open the box or had to come open the box himself. Mm. Yeah. So that worked to my benefit when I went to court. So my original charges were um, mail fraud, um, possession of a fraudulent transaction device, manufacturing of a fraudulent transaction device, possession of counterfeiting equipment, um, wire fraud, and aggravated identity theft. Because I had my picture on somebody else's driver's license when I opened uh, the, the when I went and opened the UPS store box, mm. yeah. So they had to get rid of everything, and they just hit me with the the mandatory minimum for the aggravated identity theft, which was only twenty four months. And the original offer that 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 they came with was one hundred and fifty months. So how many? How much, how much time is that? It's like fifteen or twenty years between Fuck. yeah. God dang. Yeah. And so, okay, so you get the 24 months, you're there a couple of months, you meet Matt, um, and what made you just trust that, that, because your name of your book is called Bent, right? Yeah. It's available on Amazon. So what made you just trust him, like, okay, fuck it? Well, he was, he'd already written several other people's stories for several other people. And you knew that? And I knew that. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and, and he was there, he was, I was uh, kind of friends with a younger kid on the compound and Matt was writing his story. So yeah, and like you know, once me and Matt got to kicking it, man, me and Matt have a lot in common. You know, he's he's a lot older than I am. He's in his fifties. You know what I mean? I'm only thirty five, but it's like we both, you know, have a background in art. Matt has a degree in fine arts, and he he paints. You know what I mean? I tattoo, I draw. I've been into art my whole life. Uh, we're both con men. We're both fraudsters. You know what I mean? We both did fraud, and we both kind of have the same mindset when it comes to a lot of shit in life. You know what I mean? So when I started talking to Matt, I like I immediately just trusted Matt. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like I say, and, and we've been friends ever since. And that was six or seven years ago. Wow. Yeah, and we've been we've been we've been cool ever since. And like I, I like I said, I talked to him every other day on the phone. You know, he's been he's he made me create my YouTube channel. Like yeah. he bent my arm behind my back, literally. Well, not literally, but and was like, "Listen, this is something you have to do. It doesn't matter if you want to or not. This is something you have to do." Yeah. yeah. And I and I did, and and it's it's taken off and it's becoming wildly successful beyond my you know, yeah, my wildest imagination. Yeah, because yeah. that's where I started yeah. following you. Yeah. So if like, it wasn't for Matt, none of this would be happening. Like no, no, I wouldn't. I don't know where the fuck I would, would I be. I'd be working in some warehouse in Miami right now, probably headed back to prison. God, yeah. Yeah. So you get out 2014? I did, and then I was in halfway house for six months. So I got out um, on my 30th birthday in uh, 2015 from halfway house. Okay. Yeah. And then what happens? Because, I mean, there's no, like, plan. There's no no fucking. No, there's no plan. I don't have any money. Uh, I'm coming home to nothing. Actually, I'm coming home to not even having a home. Uh, My wife was with some other dude when I got out, uh, living at her mom's house. So I had six months to pretty much try and work a minimum wage job and get my shit together and save some money when I got out of the halfway house. Uh, and that's what I did. You know, I worked in a, in a frozen fucking warehouse for refrigerated food, making like eight fifty nine dollars an hour. I did it for six months. Overnight shift, you know, working six to six, six at night till six in the morning. Saved every penny. 
Um, and I got me like a little studio apartment in a uh, little Havana, in South Miami, mm-hmm. you know, South Miami. Mm-hmm. And then got a job at a warehouse. It was a little bit more. It was like $11 an hour. Uh, I did that for a few months and then it was just like, I couldn't do it anymore, man. I was waking up at four in the morning and I had to walk like two miles or like a mile downtown Miami to catch the very first train an hour north to catch a bus another hour to get to work. And then I had to do all that coming back home at the end of the night. It was just, you know, I'm used to driving brand new cars and flying private. Yeah, I'm used to doing yeah. whatever the fuck I want to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm all the way back on the bottom again yeah. with a bus pass. Yeah. Fuck. With a transit pass, you know. Well, I know, I know just fucking just. As a man, yeah. ego, like you know what I mean, fucking having taken the bus yeah. from from being able to do whatever you want, get whatever chick you want, go wherever you yeah, want. Yeah, it was a bummer, man. It was a real bummer, you know. And it was, um, yeah. So I got back in. I started doing carding again. Really? Yeah, yeah. I fucking started doing carding again, man. And that whole thing went south and got fucking busted again. And yeah, so I was on the run um, from Florida. And I had I ran out to Nebraska, took off, went out to Nebraska, and I was out there for a while. And then a bunch of shit popped off out there with because I went back out there to be with my wife, and she created a, just a whole pool of shit for us out there. And I ended up going back and then getting extradited all the way back to South Carolina and doing like I think I did like six or nine months on um, on my um, my violation. And then uh, they cut me. They they terminated. Then not only did they cut me loose after nine months, but they killed my paper. What do you mean killed your paper? So I had three years of supervised release. And the judge told me, he's like, you're just not supervisable. Mm. So whatever that means. And they just killed my paper and kicked me out the door. So how do you... And that was 2016. God. Yeah, so I'm like just a free agent now. Like, I'm an actual free human being yeah, with yeah, no yeah. federal pending indictments, no warrants, no fucking probation, not dick, you know? Yeah. Okay, so let, let's, let's, not, let's not slow down a little bit. So how do you get caught the second time? What happens? <laughs> um, so I met this girl in a halfway house. And uh, when I was in the halfway house, I met this chick and uh, from Miami. And I meet her brother. and Her brother kind of finds out what I did, what I do, what I did. So he's like, you know, let me buy the equipment and fucking, you know, let's fucking make some money, you know, pretty much. And I was like, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, uh, listen, so I didn't really know these people. Let me just get that out there first. The girl that you were I didn't know her, with. and I didn't really know her brother. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had just met these people. I only knew them for like a month. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So we get into it. We start ordering shit. Somehow, some fucking way... The holograms coming from China got mailed to my house. They got stopped in customs, and then they got the Miami Financial Crimes Unit, got the package, and dressed as DHL fucking delivery men and came to my front door. What? Yeah. So, damn. Yep. So I opened the door. I'm playing stupid because none of the equipment's at my house. I don't have anything at my place. I'm playing dumb. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? Because, like, when I open the door, first of all, there's two DHL guys standing there. Both a couple of younger, like, you know, middle-aged Spanish guys with slick back hair. And it's like, yeah, okay, come on, guys. You know what I mean? Come on, guys. You guys are DHL drivers? Right. The DHL guy usually comes to my house as a fucking, you know, a 300-pound fucking slob. And he's always sweating. And I usually got to help him with the packages. Yeah, you know, yeah. so these guys weren't working for DHL. And there was two of them. And I looked down and I seen the package in his hand. 
And if you've ever ordered anything from China, they've got this distinct yellow packaging tape that they wrap all of their packages with that come from China. Anything that you come from China that you order comes in this. They don't. It doesn't come from anywhere but there. Mm. And I seen the envelope wrapped in this yellow tape in his hand, so I automatically knew what it was. So I just start playing stupid. I'm like, no, I don't know. And, you know, I, that, that person doesn't live here. And they're like, well, how long do you live here? Or how long have you lived here? And I'm like, well, I just moved in a little while ago. That's already too many fucking questions. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah. sorry. And I close the door. And I'm like, okay, now I'm fucked. Now my heart's going, you know what I mean? My fucking, my adrenaline's pumping. I'm just like, and then they start banging on the door. Doom, 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 police. Really? Yeah. So I open the door and then they come in and then they're like, they're like, well, we need to talk to you about this. I'm like, I thought we just discussed this. I was like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I don't, I don't know what's in that package. I don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? I mean, look around. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you're expecting to find here. And, uh, right when they were in there interviewing me, FedEx shows up with a giant fucking box, Damn. a fucking embossing and printing machine getting delivered to my address from FedEx. Right when they were there fucking because of that package. So then they go outside with him, and it was in the same name that the package they were delivering was me too. And they were like, oh, yeah, he, he, I've delivered several packages here, and he signs for them. Damn. Right there, I was fucked. Yeah. Right there, they got me. Damn. I had just gotten out of prison. Okay, I, I just got out of halfway house. I've been out of halfway house. I got out in February. This was like July. Okay, it's like four or five months. I'm fresh out. I'm going back to prison. God damn it, I'm going back to fucking prison, and this is, you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? And then dude's like, oh, well, I'm like, well, let's go to jail then. You know what I mean? Let's go. I'm fucking, I'm going to jail. Let's go. He's like, you know, well, you know, if you just tell us what we want to know and play ball, and, you know, you won't go to jail. I'm like, fuck you mean I won't go to jail? I'm like, man, let's go to jail. You know what I mean? Let's go. I'm going. Let's go. And like, well, we want the lab. Because at this point, all they had was the envelope with the holograms in it. That's it. They didn't have no printers. They didn't have any embossers. They didn't have shit. You know what I'm saying? So, A, I'm in violation of my probation because I'm, I'm conducting criminal activity. B, I'm in possession of the, um, the holograms, which is another charge. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I, not only am I going back for violation, but I'm going back with a new charge that I'm going to have to go in front of a judge for and get sentenced, resentenced on a new charge. You know what I mean? While I'm on federal probation and deal with the fucking violation. So, I'm like, all right, well, what the fuck? What, what do you guys want to know? And they're like, well, yeah, we want the lab. We want the lab. So I fucking gave him Buddy's address. The brother. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. I said, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. And while they're there, and then, and then this happens right after the FedEx guy shows up. He calls me while they're standing there. And I'm like, and then, and then, they're, and then I was like, oh, and then they're like, well, who's that? And I'm like, Jose. And they're like, and they're like, well, answer it. And I'm like, nah, they're like. So I answer it, and I'm talking to the dude, right? And he's like, uh, well, I was like, he's like, is the, is the, because I guess he was tracking the, uh, the FedEx shipment. So he tracked it, and he's seen that it got delivered at my house. And that's why he was calling. He's like, well, why don't you bring, he's like, bring it over here, meet me, meet me over here. And I'm like, no, no, I can't meet you over here. And they're over there, like, I'm like, fuck, dude. So really, it just was all bad timing, dude. So I had to go meet him with the fucking printer. And the people, why, dude, the whole thing was just bad. You know what I'm saying? The whole thing was bad. So they bust him, they arrest him, uh, they get all the equipment, um, they let me go. Really? Yep. They let me walk. And they were like, uh, well, we have to report this to your probation officer by law. So I was like, all right, I got enough time to get back to my fucking apartment, pack a bag, and get on a fucking airplane and get the fuck out of here before my probation officer fucking violates me and sends somebody to my house to fucking arrest me. You know what I'm saying? That's what's going through my mind. So I immediately drive to my house. 
pack my shit, get in my car, drive my car. I left my car at the airport. It's probably still sitting there at Fort Lauderdale Airport. That was like fucking, when was this? 2016 or 17. It's probably got three inches of dust on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, yeah. A Cadillac. Yeah. Um, I take off. I leave. I go to Michigan. I party for like the whole summer, July, August, September. Late September, my wife calls me from Nebraska. And she's like, I need you to come out here. I was like, all right. So that's when I went to Nebraska. And that's when I got the whole shit happened out in Nebraska. And then I ended up getting arrested and extradited all the way back to South Carolina. Go back in front of the judge. Those fucking dudes didn't even tell my probation officer. I absconded and stopped reporting. And that's what, that's what my violation was for. Oh, damn. Yep. So if you would have just stayed. If I would have stayed, I would have been, been dope. I yeah. would, I, but I, I would still would have had to do the three years of paper. You know what I mean? So yeah. who knows if I would have fucked up in those three years and went back anyway. So yeah. it was kind of like a blessing in disguise because they killed my paper when I went back for the violation. I did nine months. They killed my three years of paper and just kicked me out the door. And now I'm a free man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's probably better than fucking. Fuck it. Yeah. If I had to go back and if I had to go back and do the nine months to not have the, you know, the three years of paper, then I think it was worth it. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Damn. And so. At what point does does uh, Matthew finish writing the books for you? While you're in prison, so the book, or no, the bu- well, yeah, the book was finished. Probably, he well, okay. He was trying to find me, and I went back on violation, and he had just finished the book. Oh, so he's still in. You're out, and then you yeah, gotta, yeah. Oh, okay. he, he, Matthew didn't get out till 2019. Oh shit! Yeah, okay, that was yeah. recently. I went to halfway house in 2014. I was out in 2015, so he was—he still had another five years to go before he got out. Yeah, and my book was published in 2018, like February of 2018. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Man, so how's the how's the book doing right now? Uh, not as well as I I hope, but I think it's gonna pick up a little bit of steam here, you know, because of the YouTube channel and like all the exposure I'm getting right now, and I got a few other you know kind of big projects I'm working on that I can't really can't really say you know at this point but uh yeah so i mean i think once those uh once those drop or whatever happens with with that stuff i think my book sales are just gonna go they're gonna take off you know yeah man yeah but they're selling it's i'm selling there's yeah, a, yeah i'm selling i'm selling books yeah good, man that's good so what are you what are you doing now like- um yeah so i got my own youtube channel uh boziac conundrum um I'm trying to uh, build out a podcast studio uh, right now. Uh, I just signed a year lease on uh, an office space in downtown Phoenix. So I'm in the process of building my own podcast. I want to do kind of long format um, podcasts like what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a daily vlog uh, on my Instagram. I do a lot of inspirational uh, stuff, you know, a lot of life coaching and just, you know, trying to help people because I feel like I've done it all. I've, I've been all the way at rock bottom and I've been all the way at the fucking it's, it's, you know, the pinnacle of, of success for most people and everywhere in between, you know, and I've met so many people through all of all walks of life and I've been in all kinds of crazy ass situations and I kind of feel like I can help people, you know, and I kind of feel like that's where my niche is now and that's, mm. that's just what I want to do. And then I tattoo full time mm. uh, at Royalty Tattoo Studio out of Phoenix, Arizona. So, okay. yeah. Man, so this here's what I want to know because I feel like somebody who's been on the top of the world, you know what I mean? They have a different relationship with money. You know what I mean? Right. Sure. Yeah. yeah. What is the... Can you explain, like, what's the difference or your relationship with money from having it and not having it? Hmm. 
man, it's just such a funny, such a funny thing when you don't have money and you're not used to having money, you know, can't nobody tell you shit. Right. Can't nobody tell you that money can't buy happiness when you've never had money and you're broke. I, you don't want to hear that shit. You know what I'm saying? But then when you get the money and you pretty much buy everything you've ever wanted and you go all the places you've ever wanted to go and you've impressed all the people you wanted to impress, it doesn't satisfy what you thought it was going to satisfy. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't – that what you were looking for, that satisfaction or that, that feeling you were looking for that you thought those things were, were going to fulfill for you, it doesn't happen. It doesn't. You know, and that sends a lot of people down a path of destruction, self-destruction, you know, yeah, Yeah. but I'm self-aware and I I was able to realize those things that it's, it's really, you have to find internal happiness. You have to find, you know, whatever makes you happy in life, the things that you enjoy doing, the people you enjoy being around. It's, it's those things that are important, but you can't tell that to a broke motherfucker. (laughs) You can't because they ain't going to listen to you. Right. You know, right. Yeah. Damn. Cause I know like. I know everybody like fucking searches for they just want to get money, whatever they got to do to make money. But then a lot of times it's like it's so unfulfilling once you actually get it because you think everything is going to come with. But not having it is is fucking even. It's desperation yeah. from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep. It's anxiety. It's stress. It's, you know what I mean? Not knowing, should, can I buy a fucking double cheeseburger today? Or do I have to put that money in my gas tank to get to work for the next three days? So I guess I can't eat anything today because I know I have to get to work. And if I don't put this gas money in my car, I can't get to work. So it's like, what do I do? I lived that way for most of my fucking life. Damn. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Most of my life I've lived that way. I think... Probably, I would say ninety five percent of Americans probably live. Like a lot that. of people you know live that mean? way, yeah. So a lot of people just they just know the struggle and they feel the pain, yeah. And I think I'm just I can relate to that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. So you wouldn't do like um, because I know when I think about your story, I think about uh, what's the name of that movie that, with Leonardo DiCaprio? You're talking about Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you ever w- go work for the feds? <laughs> Depends on how much they were going to pay me. Mm, you know? okay. Yeah. I'm not opposed to it, but you know, it's got to be a, you know, the paycheck's got to be good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't care. Damn. Show me the money. Yeah. Yeah, but I, you know, I feel like I have a I have a future in podcasting and I have a future on on this medium itself. However long this is going to be around. Yeah. I think this is the wave, man. This is like I do. The, the the future. This is the new like this is like when TV when like television came out, you know what I mean? Like, you know, network television and like they held they held the keys to the kingdom. You know, and it's not that way anymore. Now it's democratized. You yeah. know, now it's available to everybody from every walk of life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is definitely the new wave, man. This is definitely the the modern day gold rush, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, do you? I bet you you'd probably get a ton of fucking uh, DMs of people like. Oh yeah. Man, just show me how would please, you please, <laughs> please just give me a little piece of information. I get listen. I wake up to thirty DMs every morning. No fucking bullshit. Really, so many. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. How many people just reach out and want me to teach them credit card fraud or want me to show them how to do fraud? And it's like, man, you know, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what these guys want from me. You know what I mean? Like I've been out of the game for so long, like over ten years. I've been. I haven't even fucked with anything in over ten years. You know what I mean? And like yeah. the, what the things that I did when I was doing it, you can't do anymore. Like it's just not the same thing. 
So all of my success, like I don't understand what information I could, because these people, they think I'm going to make them rich. They think that I have some kind of, you know, information that's going to unlock, you know, this whole world for them. And it's just like, I can't help you people. I can't, you know, if you want some life advice or if you want, you know, some other kind of advice that you think I can help you with, I'm more willing to give that to you. But I mean. I don't know what these people want from me. That's, that's fucking crazy. It is crazy because I know if you would, if you, if somebody said, you know what, John, we're gonna relive your life all over again. Would you say yes, or you'd be like, you know what, I'm gonna take my chances and just go from here and figure it out. What do you mean? Like we're gonna, we're gonna, you're gonna start back from when you started carding and just relive up to this point, mm-hmm. or you can just start from right now, knowing what you know already. But you want to start from today and just go forward, or you want to redo everything that you've done already? No, I don't want to redo anything, man. No, <laughs> no, heck no. Because listen, it's it's the experiences we have in life, the things we go through, the people we talk to, the situations we put ourselves in that make us who we are. You know what I mean? That defines our character, of our our personality, and everything. And I like who I am today. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm comfortable with who I am. I, I like who I am. I can look at myself in the mirror every morning and, and smile and be, you know what I mean? Be happy about my life. You go back and change one component in, in any of that. It's, you know what I mean? I may not be who I am today. Yeah. And you know, I, like I said, I like who I am today. So I would, I wouldn't change anything. All, all the shit I've been through, all of the pain, all of the struggle, everything I've gone through. It's, it's to prepare me for what's to come. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm in a really good position right now for, for what's to come. But none of this would be possible if, if it wasn't for everything that I've, I've done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But to me, it's like I, I fucking envy you in a way. You know what I mean? Mm. That you went through the experience, but I would not want to go <laughs> through the experience. It's a motherfucker. You know what I mean? It's a motherfucker, man. It, honestly, when I think about it now, it all just seems like a bad dream. Really? Yeah, it seems like a bad dream, man. Because I, I can still remember everything vividly. The, the shackles, the cuffs, the holding cells. The the all the all the cell cellmates I had the food I had to eat I remember all that shit's fucking it burned in, in you know seared into my fucking my memory and it'll never go away I you bet. know and some nights I wake up and I know I wasn't incarcerated that long but some nights I wake up and there's a split second where I don't know where the fuck I am damn you know yeah what was that um what was it like like doing time like what is that experience explain that because you're just you're just cattle you're you're human you're human cattle in a human warehouse. And that's the best way to describe it. I mean, if, if anybody's, you know, if anybody, if you guys, you guys ever worked in like logistics or warehousing, that's basically what it is. You're just a product that's stored and kept alive. That's it. You're kept alive. You're not, it's nothing they give you is nutritional. Nothing they do for you in there is for your benefit. It's all based on a, whatever budget they have to work with and whatever, you know, resources they have available to them to just barely keep you alive and keep you from killing yourself or killing everybody else. That's it. That's that's jail and prison in a nutshell. You know what I'm saying? You're not protected in there. Nobody's in there fucking teaching you, you know what I mean, the how to do shit the right way. There's no fucking programs in there. When you show up and you're given a fucking a, a, a mattress this big and, and a rattly, tor- ratty-ass fucking jail uniform, they take your underwear, they take your socks... So you're in that bitch with no fucking underwear, socks, and a ratty-ass fucking jail uniform on a cement fucking slab with a pad this big, and you just have to sit there and wait and figure shit out. That's it. Oh, am I going to court today? No. Next week? Okay. So I'm just going to sit here for fucking 12 more days and stare at a fucking wall 
and smell other nasty human beings. And that's just your life. That's just your life for however long they decide to keep you. Until, you know what I mean? Until you're fortunate enough to get released. That's it. They, they herd you around like cattle. They chain you together like fucking cattle. They pack you into these little tight vans. And so first of all, your, your wrists are in handcuffs. And then your wrists are chained to your waist. Your feet are shackled together. And your hands, your waist, and your feet are all shackled together by another chain. Yeah. So baby steps when you walk like a little penguin. And then they pack you inside of a van with like 30 other motherfuckers and transport you all around the country. They don't let you piss. They feed you bologna sandwiches that fucked up my my digestional system so fucking bad that I had fucking... Uh, when I got released from prison, I had um, uh, ulcerative colitis. I got ulcerative fucking colitis from prison where my intestines were inflamed and I shit blood for like a year and I fucking felt like I was going to pass out all the time. Yeah. From the diet, from being in prison, because of the fucking food they feed you there, it's garbage. It's fucking straight garbage. It's what it is is it's it's all the byproduct. So like meat processing plants and all the other processing plants after they process the product that they're gonna sell, all the byproduct from that they package and send to the fucking jails in the fucking prisons. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it, literally, it almost fucking killed me. Like it, it it fucked me up. You know what I mean? My health was fucked up when I got out. I got PTSD. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's all bad, man. It's all fucking bad, dude. And you can't sue like the the prison system. Eh, good luck, good luck. Because they they're 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 they're, good luck, they're a private company, right? Good luck if it's not if whatever I went through isn't documented and I didn't have to go to a hospital and there wasn't incident reports written. It's your word against them. So you, you know, good luck. God damn. Yep. And I always hear. I guess the mis- misconception is the feds is fucking like a cakewalk. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess compared to state prison, it is. I mean, it, it, the, the, the facilities are a little cleaner. Uh, the food's a little bit better. Not much. It's a little bit better. I mean, I don't even know if the quality's a little bit better. I think they just give you a little bit more because the federal, it's government-funded instead of state-funded. So they got a little bit more money to do a little bit more things. Uh, depending on what compound you're on, you know, it's really not that bad. But at the same time, dude, it's prison. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like you get you get on the wrong compound, you know, especially if you got a lot of time in the feds, you get sent to like a USP. It's murder, death, kill, and them motherfuckers. Yeah. It's murder, death, kill. You know, but like I said, I was on a, I was on a camp. I was not wasn't on a camp. I was like just above a step on a camp. I was in a low security prison. Mm. I had 24 months, and I I didn't have any felonies, or I wasn't like a hardened criminal. You know what I mean? Like I've never, I don't have any drug arrests or, I, or no no violent offenses throughout my life. No weapons. No nothing like that. So. They, they're not going to stick me with the guys that are doing life and they're up there stabbing each other. You know what I mean? They're locked down fucking 300 days a year. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, that's not where I was going. Yeah. But you could end up in one of those places, though. You know, fuck around and find out. Man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Listen, man, I did one week in L.A. County Jail. I was like, yeah, yeah. this ain't for me. Yeah. This ain't- this yeah. ain't for me, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I'm pretty accustomed to you know. I did a lot of time as a juvenile. Really, you know, ten months here, ten months there, a year here, a year there. I was in Boysville. I was in uh, boot camp. I was in uh, juvenile hall a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, stealing cars, shoplifting, vandalizing, breaking and entering. Yeah, I had a very eventful youth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How did you end up like? I know I want to go back, but how did you end up like? I guess homeless in Miami. Because you say once your mom left. She took off. Um, you know, listen, my mom couldn't handle me. You know, it wasn't that my mom was a piece of shit. 
You know what I'm saying? I'm not gonna. I don't like. I don't like to paint her like that because, I mean, yeah, my mom's got her issues. You know what I mean? It's probably not good for you just to let your 13 or 14 year old kid do whatever the fuck he wants. But at the same time, I wasn't your average 13 or 14 year old kid. I was boosting cars when I was 13. I couldn't even steer with a steering wheel. I was stealing fucking Dodge Neons and shit with a fucking screwdriver. You know what I mean? Crashing them into telephone poles. You know that's what I was. And I, I was four foot eleven. Damn. I'm not a very big guy now. Imagine me when I was 13. You know, and I was out there wild, wild. Because my mom, you know, she had me and my little brother to take care of. My mom's not very big. My mom's about fucking five foot. Small lady. And she's working two jobs. You know what I'm saying? And I'm growing up in a rough neighborhood. And so I'm growing up around all these rough motherfuckers. And I'm seeing, you know, the fighting. I'm seeing the gang banging. I'm seeing the dude selling dope. And, you know, I'm, 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 I'm exposed to all of that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because just how where I grew up at. Mm. And... So, yeah, like I said, I was an adult when I was 13 or 14. I mean, I wasn't. I was a baby, but I was a fucking adult. You know what I mean? So I was just free to make my own decisions and go where I wanted and no curfew, no bedtime, no, you know. And then once I was out of the house and doing my own thing, I was just, you know, I would stay here. I would stay there. I would, you know what I'm saying, hit this friend's house, that friend's house, or we're fucking, we're going to stay out all night tonight and drink beer at the beach. You know what I mean? We're going to go hang out Miami Beach all night till the sun comes up and get high and drink beer. And I, I was doing that 13, 14, 15 years old. Yeah. You know, so I was constantly getting picked up by the police and getting into shit and that whole fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. So by the time I got to federal prison, I was already like, this isn't, you know, I wasn't really stressed about it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, In my mind, I was like, if I'm going to get arrested, I would rather go to fucking federal prison because county jail is a motherfucker. They'll starve you to death in county jail. It's rough. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, but yeah, so. Golly. What's the, um,. I guess what, besides the the cars, or maybe maybe if it was just the cars, the most expensive thing that you bought. Uh, a lot of jewelry, yeah, a lot of jewelry. Um, I bought a brand new. I bought a 2010 uh, Cadillac CTS in 2009, off the lot, brand new, zero miles. Uh, that was pretty nice. Uh, I had a couple nice watches, you know, that I spent like 10, 20 grand on. I had a nice, uh, I don't know if you remember the old, uh, the Rolex uh, Day Date or the Date Just had the Jubilee bracelet. You know what the Jubilee uh, bracelet is yeah, on the Rolexes? Yeah, yeah. I had a Jubilee chain custom made for me out of the fucking Rolex bracelets to match my fucking Rolex Jubilee bracelet, you yeah. know. So, I mean, I, I mean, I didn't go too crazy, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I had, I mean, I had a nice condo. With, you know, the biggest TV you could buy at Best Buy and, you know, the, the nicest <laughs> furniture you could buy at Art Van, the leather, the $8,000 fucking sectional leather sofas and, you know what I mean, the fucking crazy marble fucking the, the, the dining tables and the end tables. I had all the nice shit, you know, that you're going to buy for your home and, you know, all the creature comforts, the nice home furnishings and the plants and the fucking the art and I took a lot of vacations, you know what I mean? I would go on a lot of cruises because I'm right there. I was in South Florida. You know, so the Carnival Cruise and all that shit was right there. I went on tons of cruises. I did the whole Caribbean shit probably four times. I've been to Cosmel. I've been to Jamaica. I've been fucking, you know, Aruba. Yeah, I traveled a lot, you know, bought a lot of shit. I had probably 300 pairs of sneakers because I'm a sneakerhead. You know what yeah. I mean? Like Retro Jordans, Air Max, Air Force Ones, shit like that. I had my whole closet was fucking packed from floor to ceiling. Just, you know. What's your favorite pair of shoes? Favorite pair of Jays? Yeah. Probably the Concords. Concords. Which one are the Concords? The, the Elevens, the the black and whites with the um, patent leather. Oh, With okay. the black patent leather. Yeah. Yeah, the Concords or uh, probably the 13s. Yeah, the mm. He Got Game 13s. Yeah. yeah. Them joints are tough. Yeah. Yeah. God damn, John. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even it's imagine. It's wild, man. I know it's I wild know. as fuck. 
It is, man. It's all wild, man. It is. But to me, it's my normal life. That's so, and, and, and the reaction I'm getting from people right now, it's, I, like, I kind of know that, you know, what I've done and what I've been through is, is unique, but it's, it's, at the same time, it's unique to me. It's my, it's my life experience. So I am, I am aware of the, the kind of craziness of it all, but to me, it's normal. It's like a trip to Walmart for me. But when somebody like you or like other people on the internet, they stay here about it and they reach out and they're just like completely fucking blown away, you know? So I'm, I'm dealing with all of that right now. I'm just not used to the, you know, all of the attention and like the, the notoriety that, that my story and my book and the whole thing's getting. It's, it's pretty fucking insane. Yeah, cause yeah. I can imagine you living your life pretty much kind of just on the web where you don't want your identity yeah and now you're fucking like damn near a celebrity yeah. now now it's you like know? concrete <laughs> i got you know which i in the grand scheme of things two hundred and fifty thousand views isn't really a lot i guess but i mean i've got just the one podcast i just got two hundred and fifty thousand views it's a lot you know what i mean that means a quarter of a million people know my entire life story right i went from i listen i opened my instagram account in 2014 when i got out of prison and i had like maybe 120 followers when that Concrete podcast came out a month ago to now, I've got almost 2,000 followers on my Instagram. I started my, inst- I started my, my, my YouTube uh, channel a month ago, and I'm almost at 1,000 subscribers in 30 days. Damn. It's taken off. It's, and honestly, at this point, it's, it's, has, it's, it's a life of its own. Yeah. And I don't, even, I don't even own it or control it anymore. It's out there just doing fucking wild shit on its own. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. it's like a fucking runaway freight train. Like you can't stop it. And now it's just got momentum, and it's like fuck it. It's out there now. Yeah. It's gonna do what it's gonna do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Plug your Instagram, man. For the uh, my Instagram is uh, at slum by nature. S L U M B Y N A T U R E, and you can check me out. Um, all my tattoo work at uh, at jug dot i n k. It's J U U G dot i n k, and my uh, YouTube channel is uh, Boziak Conundrum. That's my last name, B-O-S-E-A-K Conundrum on uh, YouTube. Yeah, and I try and put out you know daily content. I try and put out uh, you know a little something every day, little snippets. I try and do uh, daily uh, vlogs. I try and do like weekly, um, just kind of like life coaching shit. So I'm on it. Like my YouTube channel is super active, and I'm like I, I interact with all of my subscribers. You know what I mean? Like if you leave me a, a comment or you send me a DM, I'll I'll answer you back. You know what I mean? Like because I'm. I'm fucking nobody at the end of the day. I'm just a cracker from Miami. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. At the end of the day, I'm fucking nobody, dude. I've just done some crazy shit in my life. So, you know, I'm willing to talk to interact or to help anybody with anything if I can. Yeah, man. Yeah. And that, that's how I found you. You know what I mean? That's it, fucking man. the YouTube comments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. God damn. Yo, man, this has fucking been dope, fascinating. Like, yeah. um... I don't even know, man. Yeah. You have anything that you want to lead the nah. people with? Nah, man. You know, just check me out. You know, check out my social medias. Um, you know, follow my story. If you want to fuck with me, you can fuck with me, man. You know, and I'd like to come back in maybe like six months or a year or something and, and, and do this over again. Absolutely. And see where I'm at and, and what's going on because yeah. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely, man. You're always welcome here at Tap In, yeah. man. Hell you yeah. know what I mean? Yes, Thank sir. you again for tapping in. No, no doubt, brother. Yes, sir. Yo, man, this has been the Tap In Podcast, man. Thank y'all for watching. Make sure y'all go grab um, Bent by John Boziak, written by Matthew Cox. Make sure y'all go get that, man. Appreciate you, John. That's it, brother. Yes, sir.